Hello, I'm Taylor. I'm Ryan. And this is Unbetween. Welcome to episode 12. Ryan and I were not sure that we'd ever make it to episode 12, but here we are, and we thank you very much for listening. I basically sum up in our conversation what the last conversation that this one is building on was about, so there's no need for a lengthy intro. Y'all are all smart cookies anyway, so let's get to it, shall we? So the last conversation we had was about loving God with your mind and how really starting pretty early in the Bible, there is this call from God himself to his people that their minds are one of the primary ways that he wants them to engage with him and Mm -hmm. that we were created with, you know, kind of different parts. I, I don't know that. know how, I don't know how literal one wants to get about like body, mind, soul, spirit or whatever, but you know, we have, we have physicality, that's our body. And then we have our intellect and then we have kind of our emotions and the kind of immaterial part of us. And that, um, uh, there, there there's so many calls in the scriptures to, to study, to learn, to, to seek out what God is and what he's like and to meditate on his word. And in Israel, they had an entire culture built around the learning, the reading, the learning, the memorization and the application of, of the, the scriptures, the Torah. And that they were expected to commit it to memory. They were expected to be equipped to interpret it and to apply that interpretation to their lives. And that, that then when Christ came and the, the, the rest of us were dra- grafted into the family of God, that that expectation continues. And in Acts 2, right after Pentecost, it talks about, this is in verse 42, four things that the early church immediately started doing. And it was they ate together, they prayed together, they fellowshiped, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Mm. And also in those early accounts, you glimpse that people like Paul, like Peter, the, and the other disciples who had been around Jesus, or even people like Stephen, who had a, a strong testimony, they were teaching people, <laughs> sometimes for hours and hours at a time. Yeah. And there was this expectation that even though a lot of the folks in the early church were um, – w- would be considered poor. Many of them couldn't read, you know, very, very working class kind of thing. You still were expected to learn and to use your mind to engage with God. Mm-hmm. And the, this second part of the conversation <laughs> kind of grows out of conversations that Ryan and I have been having lately that, yes, we, we can, it's, it seems very clear from scripture. We are supposed to engage and love God with our minds. And that's one of the primary ways we're supposed to make our way in the world and to represent to people what God is like. But we're also historically some of the people who are most easily duped mm-hmm. and convinced of, of lies. We we're very, it seems as Christians often very easily deceived, very easily misled very easily manipulated by different kinds of people in power, different power structures and empires and whatever, and very easily infiltrated by worldly ideas. And really it seems clear to me because that we, we have not, at least in the modern world, learned the art of guarding our minds and taking our thoughts captive. Mm. And as a result, um, 
we we have ceased in large we're generalizing of course we're just talking about things that we've seen and things we've experienced but i think that there's a real problem amongst christians at least in um, the united states uh, that we've lost some of that ability to engage god with our minds and we've lost the ability or we we don't know how to use our minds to love god and how to parse the data that's coming in and we've never had more information available than this period in history really you know you pick up your phone and the entire knowledge base for the most part of humanity is is available to you pretty quickly or much of it anyway and yet <laughs> we have never been more self-confident and more arrogant in our ignorance than now it seems to me anyway and that many of the conflicts and problems and many of the perceptions of negative perceptions of Christians stem from this fact that really a lot of us act like dumb Christians a lot of the time, <laughs> not like, you know, the wise, the wisest serpents gentle as doves thing and not like um, those who know how to rightly divide the word of truth. It, ju it just seems like a lot of us fall of often are very weak minded and fall prey to the first breeze that comes along and we've talked, we've touched on this kind of thing, maybe with entrenchment or even with deconstruction. And I just, I kind of wanted to hear what your thoughts are on that. Obviously, I, I have quite a bit to say on it, but what's your been your experience? Do you even agree? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Completely. I think, I think we've allowed ourselves to be put in a place where we're, where we're comfortable, which is something we've talked about too. And, and comfortable in a lot of things where we probably don't do the job we should taking things in and thinking about them. I think, you know, part of what you mentioned, we have a lot available and we should be able to discern what's right, what's wrong. But, you know, I think we've taken th some things too far. Are we supposed to have faith and trust in, in Christ? Yes, but we've put that same faith and trust at times in everything. Um, and it's just, you know, we're, we're willing to let things into our life that shouldn't be. We're willing to, you know, do that when when it's convenient. And then there's, there's other times, you know, in the same way, we probably ignore things that we should pay more attention to, you know, and, and block them out. And so I think part of it comes down to, I, I like how you phrase it, being a dumb Christian. Yes. I think that's, that's a, a huge problem. I think we're there probably more often than not. And I think it's, it's choosing to think on things that, that are not of, of God. And at times putting, putting things out that are because it's uncomfortable or doesn't line up with our agenda, which we've talked about a lot too. And so, yeah, I think, I think you're right on. I think that's something that has been an issue. It's easy to ignore. And I think we're seeing it grow as of late, you know, speculation and, and reason for that has probably increased, but our desire to really focus on what's important has not, it's probably decreased yeah. really. Yeah. And there, there are kind of two things that I wanted to throw out there. And one is that this was brought kind of into focus for me over the past year because there have been so many issues that the church has had the opportunity to comment on. Just, just think about 2020 and how, how many different really kind of cultural or societal shaping or shaking mm -hmm. even things have occurred that have been water cooler talk or, you know, the talk in your Sunday school class or with your friends or, or in over the dinner table or what have you. Uh, there's been a lot happening, good and bad. Yeah. And anytime society is talking about something, the people of God 
have the opportunity to participate and be his representatives there. But so much of what I've seen from people of faith on, from all different places on the political and theological spectrum is just noise, it seems like. Or we are so convinced of our rightness that we are willing to consign anybody who doesn't agree to the nether regions of hell and mm-hmm. dissociate from them or to, to call them heretics or to question their salvation because they came to a different conclusion that we did or they yeah. voted for somebody different or um, they have a different take on critical race theory or you know whatever the particular issue happens to be. And something else that I noticed that came out of that is most of the time we have opinions. We don't have perspectives. Mm. And that a lot of these issues we talk about are actually really complex and have a lot of depth to them. And it takes someone or, or multiple people who really have a proper understanding of those things to help us understand, really mm-hmm. comprehend where we should land. And we have, the problem is that we don't trust anybody except for people in our tribe who are just spouting talking points at us a lot of the time. And so you have people who are convinced that they know where they're supposed to land on this complex issue. Like, what do we need to do about racism in America? Or what about the economic inequality? Or what about the coronavirus? Or what about who needs to be president? And the, they might have it, many of us have it condensed to three or four bullet points, but how much do we actually know and understand about the complex and difficult issues that underlie each one of those things? And I'm finding more and more that we actually don't know very much about any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about that. Um, so we can't control hardly anything, but we can control our own response. Mm-hmm. But, but we spend so much time arguing and shouting at each other over things that we don't actually have a good understanding of. We might have like a high school textbook, 30,000 feet level, but actually knowing, oh, this means this because it's connected to this. You know, um, We don't have that about most things. We, we rely on other people to tell us what to think about that stuff. And frankly, a lot of the people we were relying on are not credible and are not trustworthy, even in the church. And, or, or we rely on them for information, but that we don't have relationships with them. Yeah. And so the information that we get and the conclusions we reach don't come to us through a relationship with somebody that we trust and love, or dare I say, even say submit to their credibility and authority. Again, whether it's theology or one of these other things, and uh, I just it, it's it's already there, but I think this is part of what leads us to being taken advantage of and dare I say weaponized, you know, by people who have ulterior motives. I mean, we don't we've said before that we're not a political podcast, and we're not, but because politics um, influences our society, we're obliged to talk about it sure. <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time. And there's a long history of people with political power looking at the power that the church has and saying, if we can get them pointed at this thing that I want to happen, we can really do something here. And they're also, you know, I mean, this has been going on since Constantine, which we don't have three hours to have that conversation. Um, But that we, when we don't love God with our minds and when we don't, respect the wisdom of experience of those who actually know what they're talking about in whatever field or whatever discipline. And we allow ourselves to be manipulated by what we want to hear because we want to be comfortable. You know, that's, 
God is not served well when we do that. Christ does not look good to people who need him when we do that. At least I, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think, gosh, there's so much there. I, I think we have to be careful. I think there's times to talk about things. I think there's times to listen. I think there's times to get into um, subjects. I think there's people that you can and can't do that with. Mm-hmm. You know, primarily, what is your relationship with them? You know, because, I mean, we mentioned things like, there is this kind of vast growth in, in the realm of calling people heretics or um, canceling people or whatever. And it's not that there's not such thing as heretics. There, there are. Um, you know, the Bible speaks about that and how we should handle them. But we're so quick to call someone that when we, when we maybe don't even really understand what they're trying to say. Exactly. What we understand yeah. is that it's opposed to what we're trying to say. And so there's kind of this quick response of just shutting it, shutting it off. We, we had, uh, my wife and I had a conversation with some people recently and, and her, her comment afterward was like, I figured you would have a lot more to say on what we were talking about. And it's like, well, I do. And yes, I, I disagree with them in, in many aspects of the conversation, but part of me holding back is that I don't want that to be the last conversation about it. You know, mm, yeah, I could have yeah. given them everything I had and that would have been it. <laughs> we wouldn't have had the conversation again. You know, might not have hung out with them again, you know, but there's kind of this responsibility I have to hold back to to listen, to hear exactly mm-hmm. what they're trying to say, not to completely shy away from it. I mean, I, I gave some of my insight or opinion or, you know, whatever that's worth. And then I gave some of what I believe to be biblical. But I also had this awareness of there, there's a little bit I need to hold back if it's ever going to go further than this. And I don't think we see very much of that. No. And I think it's important for us to remember, and this is difficult in the moment, that our ultimate goal is not to convince people to agree with us. Mm. Our ultimate goal is that people encounter Christ crucified and risen. And that, that doesn't take if, agreement with us necessarily, does it? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Because, you know, we're not trying to create more open theists or Calvinists or Presbyterians or Baptists or whatever or progressives or conservatives, we're trying to create more little Christs, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're hopefully what we're after is that that person that we're talking to, if they're not a believer, will see Jesus in us in such a way that they say, well, there's something going on there. I want that they have something I want. That sounds cliche, but honestly, when the parts of my, the times that my life has been animated and activated by the spirit of God, and he has enabled me to love my neighbor as myself without wanting anything in return. Those are the times that those people have responded and said, there's, there's, there's something different about you. It has nothing to do with me, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's humbling that God sees fit to use us that way and gives us those opportunities. But yeah. that, that's the goal. The goal is not, I mean, gosh, th- this is a whole other thing, but viewing people through the lens of their particular sins rather than their state of sinfulness that the, I think this is in Ephesians, but it talks about those who don't have, who don't have the spirit of God are dead in their sin. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually un, incapable of understanding and perceiving the things of God and communing with him in that way. Something has to happen before they can break out of their cycles of, of sin and kind of being enslaved to that stuff. So to expect them to act any other way is, is ludicrous. It's not to say that we don't call wrong, wrong. We do. But your ultimate goal is not to get them to stop doing that thing that you think is so bad. 
And they're yeah. not going to stop doing it until you give them a good reason to. And the only good reason to set aside something you feel is a part of you or something that you really like doing is if someone shows you the person that you can meet who is worth you turning your life around for him. Yeah. And that's Christ. And that's not me, you know? That's right. Yeah. I, I came across a document and I don't know if you remember it, probably three or four years ago when we started talking about doing this, we had this, I, I put together a document of things I wanted to talk about. and. Mm-hmm. And kind of came across it, was looking at it and thinking about this episode. And one of the things on there was things we say we believe as Christians, but we really don't act that way. And, and that's just a nicer way of saying sometimes we're dumb Christians. And, and you're right, there's kind of this mindset that you've got to clean up this stuff or get it right before you can come to Christ. And that's completely contradictory to the gospel. That's not what yeah. it is. Uh, not that the gospel isn't going to affect those things in your life. But for me to expect anyone to have something figured out, including myself, you know, is completely contradictory. And it's not yeah. something we would say we believe, but in our actions, we, we choose to reflect that probably more often than not. Well, I, th- I think it's easier, to, it's easier to write somebody off as an enemy than to love them as God loved us. That's way harder. And it means we take ourself and our comfort out of the equation, which is a lot easier to say than to do, of course. Yeah. Um, but really the question comes back to what are you trying to accomplish? If you're trying to own the libs or if you're trying to, you know, get, get the alt-right out of our country, or if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to dissociate from heretics, or if you're trying to cancel people you find problematic, none of those goals are gospel goals, right? Yeah. Nor are they going to fix be... society as a whole. No. And, and I think that that is th- some of those things are lies that people of faith have fallen prey to. Now, now, let's be clear. We've said this, I don't know how many times. What we're not saying is that there is never a time perhaps to do some of those things. Maybe not in the way that I just put them, but <laughs> like, it, it's, it's not that what we're saying is you have to be like, oh yeah, man, whatever, it's all good. Yeah, you can just spout whatever nonsense. But the whole point of listening is that you develop a relationship with the person behind the words, behind the ideas that you hate, because that's really and and so that you can know when there's a teachable moment for you to speak the truth to them Mm -hmm. because the truth is the only thing that's going to set them free your fine sounding argument that summarizes the truth is not the same thing no no it's not and yeah I, i think we we jump at the opportunity though to to sound enlightened you know mm-hmm. uh, not that we we may not be in some ways i, I saw a a uh, a post recently or a comment someone had made on something it was like yeah some people just want to believe they're enlightened well let's be fair some people are enlightened by by mm-hmm. the bible by christ you know by by things by god speaking into their life now yeah do we do we hold that to be something like haughty and that puts us above well we shouldn't but that doesn't mean that God's not speaking into your life and giving you revelation, maybe giving you things to discuss with people. But again, with the right attitude, with the right mindset, with intellect, with all your mind. Yes, yes. So in, this is 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And Paul goes on to reiterate a whole bunch of different analogies about yeah, I can, I can understand wisdom. I can have all knowledge. I, I can be that person. But if, if it's not rooted in love, it doesn't do any good. And if we have been enlightened, if God has seen fit to give us wisdom and understanding, we should be humbled because he doesn't have to do that. Mm. 
He was under no obligation to help us out in that way, but he chose to because he's gracious and kind. So how, what kind of discipline awaits the child that becomes arrogant of the gift that he's given? You know, who yeah. uses it as a weapon to ostracize other people. God's yeah. not down with that. And we don't like to talk about this side of God. Like we like to think God was grumpy in the Old Testament and he, he's calmed down a lot now. <laughs> but um, as I heard one guy say, um, or one pastor say that God is a perfect father and he doesn't spoil his kids. Yeah. That he, he disciplines and sometimes quite harshly. So, because the, the stakes are high, the stakes are, you are supposed, we, we are supposed to be representing what God is like. We are his images. We are his, um, his workmanship, his building. And he is not going to let us run his name into the ground. And at times will we'll let us go on our way and reap the consequences of our bad decisions because the stakes are he wants to bring everybody into the family. And if we're so stuck on our enlightenment, our knowledge, our rightness, we're going to miss those opportunities to be who he wants us to be to those to other people. Yeah. Well, and, and expecting otherwise, I mean, you, you made a good point. That father analogy is great. That that side of it doesn't make him a bad father. That's what a good father does. Yes. And just because it may not make us feel good in the moment doesn't mean it's not correct, doesn't mean it's not, not needed. Mm -hmm. This is one I kind of get worked up about because uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One, um, it was the thing in my life when I was younger that I was kind of most surprised and abashed to realize, oh, there's this whole other world out there that I really didn't know about, man, have I been wasting my time mm. not pursuing God in this way at this level, not wanting to go deeper, not knowing there was a deeper, really. And some of that's on me and some of it isn't, but, but just knowing that, man, I could have uh, I, I done a deep dive way before now, you know? And even now, it's kind of worse now because sometimes I'll become aware, you know, I really haven't been pursuing the depth lately. I, I really need to be open to that. Um, so, so that's one thing. But also this is learning kind of the, the depth and the in, in, intricacies, there we go, and the mysteries and the complexities of who God has revealed, revealed himself to be and particularly the way that he put the scriptures together through the human authors. Uh, that's one of the ways that God comes the most alive to me when I see that depth, it, it's not, you know, it's less so in things like worship through music or in even through relational stuff. It's that the more I learn, the more <laughs> I realize I have so much more to learn. Yeah. I realize how much I don't know, but I'm, I'm so grateful that my faith has in relationship with God have been so enriched by all this depth that I now know is there. And yeah. that's part of why I get so passionate about it. But then also to, to see people having myself lived a shallow Christianity and tried to pass that off as, as what God wants from us and to turn that into an industry really. And to use that to manipulate people, to use that, to sell them things, to use that, to sell books and to get people to listen to podcasts and go to conferences and whatever. And I'm not saying that any of those things, if you're doing them are automatically bad. You, you guys know us by now that we're, we, we don't think that everything that falls under the Christian name is bad. But at the same time, there is enough bad that we can say, hmm, I wonder maybe if we ought to be doing something else here. Yeah. And I, I've seen so much, not just in my own life, but in the lives of other people that I know and trust where 
if we could allow ourselves to love God with our minds, if we could really put our nose to that grindstone and pursue it, some of the the conflict and, and the problems and really the bad seeds that have been planted in our midst, I can't but think they wouldn't be there. They'd be choked out because there'd be no place for terrible ideas. Yeah. Well, and, and I think I think a lot of people land in that dumb ground because they want to. We've mm. talked about it a few times. It, if you If you allow God to move the way he wants to in your life, if you allow him to use you the way we should allow him to use us, then we're not going to be near as comfortable as we are. Mm. And so if you don't want your life to change, if you want to fight for these things that are unbiblical and attain these things that really are not reflections of the gospel, not saying they're bad, but just in and of themselves are not, then sometimes you just got to play dumb and ignore it and not focus on what the word says, not try to become enlightened to use the word, you know, that, that, that guy mm-hmm. using his post, uh, enlightenment's not a bad thing. You know, if you're, if your enlightenment's coming from, from God, from the Bible, from the word, but what it does is points to perf- imperfections in your life. I think I mentioned mm. probably last week, uh, or last week, last month on our last episode, <laughs> sorry guys, that my, uh, pastor had, had, had a sermon and had pointed out um, the closer but you become to the light, the easier it is to see the dirt on your hands. And I think that's true. The more you look toward Christ, the more uncomfortable you're going to be with those things in your life. And so if that's what you want to attain and, you know, it's, it's the American dream or your opinions or your uh, thoughts on these things that you're going to hold so tight that you don't allow anyone to even talk to you, then you can do that, but you're going to have to play dumb to a lot of what the word says. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we see then is a misunderstanding of who Christ is and his character and who we are in him if we're willing to just dismiss all of that that easily to have our own way. And I think conversely to entrenchment, that if you are in a state of deconstruction where you're so committed to not assigning credibility or authority to anyone or anything, that's another kind of cop out. Mm. On the one hand, you know, you're saying, I'm just going to hold on to these three ideas. Nothing else is welcome in here, and I'm never going to consider them. I'm never going to move beyond these. That's that's one way of shutting your mind. Another way is, of, of shutting your mind is is to say, any and all ideas are welcome and of equal merit, oh, except these that we've decided are, are not okay. And, and that's another way of, of I, I guess intellectual laziness, but 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 also just that it's it's allowing yourself to be comfortable because you don't have to commit to anything. Either way, y- you are the one who sits on the throne. Yeah, and that's who you're trying to elevate mm-hmm. is yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I want to hit on something you said a sure. second ago. It, and I think a lot of what we're talking about is not people. Sitting down one day and deciding, you know what? I think I'm going to close my mind from now on. Mm. I think we are, we are trained and conditioned to seek comfort, both culturally and in the church and in Christianity. I think that that is one of the enemy's techniques, at least in the society in which we live. If he can get us so focused on our comfort and then populate our churches and our airwaves and our bookstores, with people who either overtly or, you know, or, or more covertly are teaching us that, well, that, that is going to hamstring our pursuit of, of the real God, of the real Christ. 
who mm. calls us out onto the waves, sometimes literally. And that I, I think a lot of people, we, we said this, I think in the last episode, there's so many people who are Christians who are in churches or in Christian organizations that mean well, and they're doing what they think God is wanting them to do. And I'm not accountable for whether or not they are. God calls all kinds of people to all kinds of places, whether I'm comfortable with that or not. Um, but they, they are trying to do the best job of what they think is the right thing. Mm -hmm. And they don't stop and think about, is this actually good? Is this the right thing? Is what we are doing good? Because there's not actually room for that. Yeah. And they are, all of their energy is spent and the people, many of the people who teach them, their energy is spent keeping them energized, keeping them like fighting apathy. Actually, I, I saw something that um, I've mentioned John Mark Comer before on mm -hmm. here. He shared that one of his uh, worship team shared with him that um, a lot of modern worship through music in churches is aimed at fighting apathy because it has been the biggest problem the church has had in the modern era. And let me, let me just put, pull it up so that I don't butcher it because I thought it was really good. And, and basically that shifting from a concert mentality to a cathedral mentality because the concert is about grabbing your attention and inspiring mm. you and motivate you, motivating you and getting you pumped up. And there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes we need it. But, and, and the concert makes sense if apathy is what you're trying to fight. But um, cathedral, this is the quote, cathedral makes far more sense in a world where our greatest enemy is noise or distraction. Wow. I thought that was, that was an astute summation of like a lot of us just because we're pursuing our comfort, we really have to be made to care. And we have to made to be be made to care about something enough that we're willing to be uncomfortable about it, and that's legitimate. But if we're shifting to just there's so much noise, and that's why people are disengaged, then maybe a different approach is necessary. Because like a cathedral is not about you going in and there being noise. It's you go in and there's quiet and there's meditation and there's it's focused around thought. Mm -hmm. Really, it's, it's sitting and taking in and thinking. Not the outward expression so much, but like you just, here's the truth. You just sit and chew on that, that, um, uh, that word from, from Psalm one, that Haggah or Haggai, mm -hmm. I forget which, that, uh, meditate on the word day and night. And I wonder, but what a lot of our church experiences and a lot of our Christian stuff is, is more about, um, trying to motivate apathetic people than it is about trying to. Um, rescue people from the noise that's keeping them pinned in one place. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, and we we made the comment in earlier episodes about you know there's there's a couple ways you can have people listen to you, and we all want to be heard for our own reasons. You know, I would say we need to be want to be heard for the right reasons, and that's been part of our struggle even with doing a podcast. Is you know, is there a need for one of these? But also struggling with the fact of feeling like this is a way we could be used. Um, to point toward Christ. and But you can either be really intelligent on a subject or really loud about it. And I mm -hmm. think that's part of what, like what you said contributes to that noise. People want to be heard, so they're so loud, when really a, a better way of doing it might be to sit down, to listen, to reflect. You know, we're, we're mm -hmm. quick to talk about things sometimes when we don't even understand them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's so much of kind of why this particular conversation lands on me you just summed it up and in an earlier episode you said there's a difference between bold and loud yeah. and i think 
we confuse loudness for boldness a lot of the time. And because we think in the same way as these other things, we have become convinced either because we convinced ourselves or somebody told us that loud about, you know, the, the three talking points is what it means to be a committed believer that you give no ground to anything other than this thing. Yeah. And we can't talk about it. We can't listen to each other. It's all about the, the, this is, I'm taking a stand on truth. Well, we don't own the truth and we never have. The truth owns us. And the truth is strong enough and Christ is who he is and is strong enough to, to stand up to this stuff. Like I, I, I think it comes down to fear a lot of the time. We're afraid because we, again, we don't actually know what we're talking about or what we believe a lot of the time. We're afraid that if we listen to somebody who disagrees, it's going to mess with the foundations of our faith. And I mm -hmm. wonder how many of us are having those experiences and our faith actually doesn't have much of a foundation to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably widely the case, you know, and, and we've had our deconstruction series not too long ago and kind of talked through some of that. And there's, there's people who don't know what they believe, you know, they don't want their mind changed from what they've been told their whole life. But when you really compare that to what the Bible says, maybe there's some gaps, maybe the foundation's not there. And, and talking through that, I kind of think about, and, and I've had to be careful with this in my life, you know, I think there's a quick and easy test. If you're noticing that as you talk to people, when you're passionate and, and maybe loud and maybe, you know, energized about a subject, if you notice people quieting and kind of not having a desire to talk, it's probably not because you've convinced them that, that you're right. It's probably because mm -hmm. they're just done. And so they're going to yeah. hear you. They're going to listen. And then when you're done talking, it's going to be cool. Good talking with you. We'll talk to you later. You know, yeah. I, I, man, nothing shuts people down quicker about you sending the message that their thoughts and feelings are not important. Yeah. And I don't mean we should coddle people, but that is, uh, that is a human being sitting across from you. Mm -hmm. That is, that person is dearly beloved and pursued by God. And is again, easier to say than to do. But if we see that person as the sum of their theology or their denomination or their sexual orientation or their political affiliation or their gender, what, if we see that before we see image of God, beloved of Christ who Christ died for, we're going to get off on one of these other things. We're going to miss the point and they potentially are going to miss an opportunity to meet Christ through us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and on that, I mean, think about it. Who are you trying to convince them's right? Yourself? Because mm -hmm. if we're believing right, if we're trying to argue the right things, the, the end goal should be that Christ is right, that God is yeah. right, that his word is right, not that you are and they're wrong. Maybe they are. Amen. But We've become so set in our tribes, though, that we honestly, a lot of the time, think that those things you just mentioned are what Christ is. Yeah. That's true. And that to, to question those is to question God himself. I've seen people say that. And to consign other people that I know are believers to the heretic camp because they don't believe this theology that they find is essential. Like we found ways to make every point of doctrine an essential doctrine to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we've, used, we've weaponized that to keep out the people that make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And- and, you know, don't get me wrong, there are parts that are essential. Yes, but certainly. But you're right, there are things that we choose to focus on or discount. And, and even if it's not what we consider essential, you know, maybe there's obviously important aspects to having it right. But again, how do we handle it? You know, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the big thing we want to say. And, and as we even talk about what we're doing here with Unbetween, 
I'm not saying you fall into the middle ground because there's not a right and there's not a wrong, or maybe there right. is and not, but we need to fall here. How you handle what is right puts you in that middle ground to where you're able to, to talk with people on both extremes. But, you know, I think a couple of things have to happen to do that. One, you have to understand who God is. Yeah. Two, you have to understand who we are. <laughs> and, and part of that is understanding that we're dumb at times, you know, and, and three is just loving your neighbor, you know? Yeah. Um, if you, you know who God is and, and you're focused on loving him and you know who we are because of him and what he's done, then number three should be pretty natural in how we have these conversations if we're not consumed with being right, you know? Yeah. This is in uh, first, the first chapter of John. It's verse 14. And the word logos in Greek, which also means knowledge, became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth, mm. both at the same time. So the perfect knowledge, like the essence of God and all the knowledge of him was fulfilled and in, in, in the whole fullness dwelt in Christ when he came here. And he came full of grace and truth, the perfect balance of those things. Truth without grace is legalism and grace without truth is license. Mm. And in navigating these kinds of waters, just the same as our, as our rabbi, our teacher, our savior did, we have to balance those two as he did. And that is what is going to keep us either from excusing people's sin to make them and ourselves feel comfortable or using their bad choices as a weapon against them to keep them out of our holy huddle. That's it for episode 12. We both hope that it was encouraging and hopefully not condescending or judgmental or harsh or any of those things because that's not where either of our hearts are when it comes to these issues. But if you have some feedback, we would love to hear it. You can reach out to us uh, via email at unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com. And we are excited for kind of the next phase of this podcast. We're looking forward to talking about new things, to talking to new people, and maybe trying some things that we haven't tried before. Thanks again.